So right now we should, yeah, there we go, we're starting. Okay, here we go. We are starting on week three of using databases in education. And we are going to be dealing with, uh, we're going to review our personal database assignment. We're going to look at people's topics. We're going to look over the um, uh, access A that I just turned back to you. Then I'm going to start a discussion using the data mining with a mission article that we have. And then we'll go into some data exploration. And then finally, we'll be working with Unit C. Any questions before we start? No questions? OK, that's good. And so if we get started here, what I'd like to do is start out and point out that we, have, we now have the personal database assignment posted. And it will come up in just a moment. And we click down here on personal database. I'm sorry for the, uh, th those of you that tried to get onto the website over the weekend. Thanks for sending me that note. It, it turned out that um, I guess the server stopped serving all web pages that weekend. And so right now it's sitting on another, th this one's actually sitting on a, on a server that's sitting over in Flagstaff, Arizona. We're at GoDaddy.com right now because <laughs> they seem to have a little bit more reliability right now. Okay, here's the deal with the personal database. Remember, this personal database is the beginning. Of, if you want to go in and take a look at it while, while we talk about it. But this personal database is the beginning of actually a two-part assignment. This is the first part where what it's going to be is simply a flat database. It's going to have a single table. And what you want to do is you want to come up with a, a, a topic. And I'm pointing out that it might be managing your classroom data. I know that's something you were talking about, Rob. And you're kind of grimacing now going, oh my gosh, that's going to be huge. Well, I'm going to try to see if I can figure out that mini course activity that I went through. Okay. Okay. So you're looking at maybe doing a mini course instead. Uh, it could be planning a wedding. You already had yours. So you don't have to worry about that one, hopefully for a while. Um, organizing your finances, keeping track of your exercise program. Like I said, I'm working on one kind of like that. Um, I've got to quit putting zeros in my exercise program. You know, <laughs> It's not hard to, to manage that sort of thing. Okay, uh, so these are the things that we're going to do. And then what I'm asking you to do, can you read what it says there? Let me allow me to turn off a light or two there. That might even look better. Is that easier to read there, Kelly? Mm -hmm. Good, okay. So um, what we're, we're going to do here is uh, basically it's saying that the first thing you need to do is start out with some planning. And with some planning, I want you to answer these questions. First of all, I want you to define your problem. Identify what the problem is, what questions are to be answered, and what kind of data is needed to be collected, managed, and used to answer these questions. So these, remember what we did last week when we were dealing with the, um, the hurricane problem and that whole process we went through? Okay, well, that's pretty much what you're looking at. You want to identify what is the problem, what are the questions that needed to be answered, and what kind of data are you going to be using? And then how has it been done in the past? Now, maybe you've never done it in the past, but think about your point of view in the past. Maybe there are similar things you've done in the past. You're talking about, about doing the, the project that you have there. Um, maybe there are other projects that you've tried to manage using the same process. I want you to think about what are the, what are the systems that you used at that time. Um, and then I want you to talk about the problems that you had that occurred then. Or, and if you haven't done it, if you're taking a look at it with an old perspective, Think about the kinds of problems that could happen if you weren't using a, uh, a database, you know, an electronic database. And then what do you need to be addressed? 
And that means I want you to discuss how the problem could be addressed, not necessarily solved through an electronic database. What approaches would you use to modify or improve your problem-solving process of the past? What sorts of reports would you need to generate your answers? Okay? So that's what this is about. And this is something I want you to write this up. This, this is something I want you to write up before you start creating the database. And you can bring it in. Um, we might. It'd be good if you had something like this written up by next week because you have three weeks until this is due. So if you could write this up, identify a topic, write it up, and bring it in next week. There's no requirement. There's no grade as to whether you're going to bring it in next week, and I don't even have it up anywhere. Uh, what I will do is I'll, I'll put it up on the schedule. But bring in your write-up on it, and then what we can do is we can talk about it and see how it goes. Once you've created then when it's time to start creating the database, these are some specifications for creating that database. Notice right here it says under fields. You need to have at least 25 records, and each record has to have at least 10 fields. So you need to identify at least 10 fields that are going to answer the questions that you want to answer. Now, I expect that your fields will include a text. I, I just don't want you to make everything text fields. I want you to make it so that you have text fields, you have number fields, and you have a primary key field. Anybody remember what a primary key field is? Any? Real loud. One, I have the one to many relationship in my head right now, and I'm not sure if it's the right path to be going down. Well, I don't know. What's a primary key field? I just figured it's the identification for that record. Exactly. What it is, <laughs> boy, he muddled his way through that one, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. What it is is a, a way in which you can... Um, move that down a little bit. Now we can see you. Uh, it, it is a way in which, I'm sorry, it is a, a unique field, a field where the, the data inside that field is unique only to that record. As we've said before, you can take a look at your driver's license number, your social security number, or your UNI number. Those are all the same. Um, so you need to have an auto number field. Now the auto number means what? Who puts in that number? The computer, right. Access puts it in by itself. So I, I want to make this real easy for you. <laughs> so you can make your auto number. And then also you may have other ones you want to put in. You might want, might want to have a memo or a date time or a currency or a yes, no, or an OLE object, which is that embedded object we talked about. It could be a chart. It could be photo. You know, if you have a, a, a database of, of people, you might want to put um, an OLE uh, object in there, which would be a photo, so that you'd have a picture of who the person is that you're talking about. There is an example of that in your book. And um, then there, th that's basically how I want that to be structured. Uh, the queries. You need to include at least one query that will provide the information necessary to answer one of the questions you asked earlier. So in other words, up here, you have questions that you're trying to ask, or that you are asking. And so you're trying to answer those. And so down here, under queries, I want you to create a query. And you learned about queries this last week. You did queries, right? I want you to create a query that will answer one question. Now, you can create multiple queries that will answer multiple questions. But remember, what's going to happen is that when we turn this into a relational database, you will have additional queries that you'll be coming up with. And what you might do is just try one or two queries now just dealing with this flat database and the data that will be in it. 
and then later on you may be pulling or you will be pulling you'll be using queries that pull data from multiple tables okay is that clear okay um, and then under forms under forms you need to design at least one form that will you that you can use to enter data into your database this form must be well designed and include the following characteristics it needs to I want to see that the fields with are properly the fields have properly aligned labels in other words it's nicely laid out uh, you have a sequential tab order in other words uh, as you 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 tried out that there's a, a an order to the tabs actually this is this coming week that you're going to be looking at forms um, but the idea is that you want to make sure that it's it's going to it's going to in, it's going to, when you hit tab, it's going to sequentially go through the fields rather than doing the top one and then bouncing down to the bottom and the next one just because you didn't quite organize that. That's going to be an important thing to do. Also, we talk about a checkbox or a toggle box. These are two different means in which you can put information. So basically, it's a yes or no. And so what I would suggest is that one of your questions on there is going to be a yes or no question. You know, the data is going to be, you know, is this active, yes or no? Something like that might be one. Um, a graphic. I want you to have a graphic on your form. Now, the graphic could be just a standard one, like one that you'll be learning about when you're doing the, the lesson this week. Or it could be an OLE embedded picture. So, as I said, if you have 25 records and you have 25 people that you're going to be dealing with, if you have a graphic which is that person, a picture of that, a photo of that person. Or, you know, if, if you were doing something like if, um, if you were creating records of famous paintings by Vincent van Gogh, you know, what you could do is you could actually create it, had all that information in there, and then you could have an actual image of the painting on each of the database records. But I want to see that. And I'd like to see the whole form fit onto one screen. I don't want this thing scrolling. Now, in some cases, if you have so much stuff on there that yeah, there's just no way it's going to fit on one screen, we'll give you a little bit of leniency. But I really hate it when they've got all, these, all this space in between and you have to scroll between screens to get to them. Now, make, I'm also talking top to bottom. Well, no, the number of fields. Because remember, we're looking at a form. So you're going to have 10 fields. It's, it's a matter of your positioning. And what happens sometimes is you end up with fields where they might have a couple inches between the fields where you don't really need it. You can compress it down and you can see everything on one screen. Is that clear? Okay. And then finally, some reports. And that is that you're going to create a report. Your database needs to include at least one report that can be used to answer the questions that you have listed above. Uh, explain how these reports answer your questions. So what I want you to do is create at least one report, and then I want you to put a little note on there. You can just handwrite it as to how this is answering the questions that you had up above. What do you think? Does this make sense? Okay. I am always looking for improvements. Um, this is the first time. This is actually a modification of, a, of an assignment I did before, but it's a serious modification. So if you see any things that I, I have a... Um, I don't have the rubric finished yet, and I will have that completed for you by next week. But um, when you submit this, I'm going to ask you to, first of all, submit the written responses to the planning questions above. And like we, we said, that'll, I'd like to see them next week. 
And then also I'd like to see printed the reports along, the along with the explanation of how th this report answers your question, which is what I just spoke about. And then your access database is something you're going to be putting into a WebCT Dropbox. Now, I will show you later on how to do that. And so that will be so I can, I can access it there electronically. So you don't have to bring it in on a CD or something like that. It just makes it so much easier for everyone involved. And then we know that we, we'll know where they are. Okay? So, any questions about this assignment? So why don't we start here with Andy. And Andy, tell us about what your topic is going to be. So you, you, you want to create a database of, of, of the different golf courses you've played as well as how well you've played them? Yeah. Maybe who you've played them with? Exactly. Okay. And which one do you, what, what do you think you would use for your flat database? Well, but I'm, I'm talking about the flat, the personal database. What you might do for your personal database is create a database of 25 golf courses. And then the only thing that would be in that, re in that table would be information about those golf courses. And then later on, you could have another table that would have something to do with scores or folks that you play with. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And so that would be something that you could put together. Um, but that's what we talk about when we talk about a single table. And, and a flat database because all you're going to be looking at. Pardon? Yeah, you're, well, you just hadn't thought about that part. Okay, so remember, this is the personal database, single table, single topic. Okay. Yami, what are you going to do? Um, I plan to do the kind of sport, like swimming or. Volleyball, baseball. Okay. So I usually come to UNI Durham and I pay attention to the kinds of sport in that room and I conclude to make the database about the kind of uh, sport in that room. So you're going to keep track. So you're going to look at a scheduling of yeah. the of the games that are happening yeah. over at the dome. Yes. Okay. <coughs> So what it, what um, what would be your your flat database? Um, I think <coughs> that the activities per week or per month. Okay, activities per month or per week. Let's see. So what would a record look like? Um, under the swimming pool, the record, I think, can be the students of UNI or the students outside of UNI or general community mm -hmm. who, who come to the place. 
Yeah, but we're, we need to find out what is one piece of, you know, when we talk about a record, we're talking about one collection of information. Now, in Andy's case, it was a golf course. And the question is, what would your record be? <coughs> uh, the records, it depends on the field that I put on that. Field of sport, for example, um, <coughs> baseball or swimming, the record under the swimming, for example, uh, I can put like uh, the swimming pool in uh, class A or mm -hmm. class B. What's up, Rob? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we need we need to work together on on solving these. Okay. <coughs> okay, class A and class B. Yes. Okay, and because uh, like the participants who come there, mm -hmm. for example, in swimming, the field of swimming, right, consists of uh, kindergarten because they receive the kindergarten over there. Okay. How to uh, teach them swimming and probably can be students. Yeah, pr uh, probably about the students kindergarten from elementary school or even high school and then adults can okay. see those things to be occurred. Well, I mean, anybody have any ideas? Because like I said, I want us to make this, you know, a group effort where we're trying to well, figure out what to do with it. <coughs> Under the swimming, for example, mm -hmm. um, I would like to put the record like uh, the different of people who visit the girl who come to the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. So it can be kindergarten, can be elementary school, and can be adult. Oh, so you're 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 not talking about the the sports. Like football and, and all those sorts of things. You're talking it's about just the examples. <coughs> the example of the field of swimming. But it's a matter of whether it's people who are coming to swim for recreation, like the elementary kids and things like that. They're going over there to f just fool around, or the ones that are coming in for competition. Yeah. I thought you were talking competition. Yeah. As long as I see, I never see the competition here. But uh, every week, uh, the kindergarten will come there just for learning. But what I'm asking, are you going to have like a record for each person that comes in? No. A group. I just make a group of uh, kindergarten and group of uh, elementary school. Okay. I think, yeah. I think you need something more specific. Now, if you were to pick something like if you wanted to create a, a database on the swim team, the UNI swim team, you could have, have lots of information yeah. there. you could have records of the swim team. You could also have um, you could have a database of the events, yeah. and you could actually and you could have a you you, uh, you you could have one of the per of the of the team members. 
you're the swim coach, so I'm, I'm looking at you. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, okay. I think when I coached, I had, I had, uh, I, I used an Excel spreadsheet and I kept track of my swimmers and I had all the events on top, 100, you know, 200 medley, fly, butter, you know, press rope, all the way across. And then every time they, they swam it, I kept track of their time. And it was, it was really easy for me to sort that okay. according to, like if I want to know who my fastest butterflyer was, I just sort that butterfly field and it was like who my fastest was and why, when they swam it. And the real key is how's all that going to connect together? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how you're going to have another another relational database to that, you know, on the other hand too. Cuz I, I usually just have it in one big spreadsheet. Well, what you could have is you could have a database and you'd have the records which would be each individual swimmer. And you would have the demographics of that individual swimmer, yeah. you know, where they went to high school and all that sort of thing. And then you could have another um, table that would have the events for and it could what, what, what would it be it would be it'd be events across the top yeah. and it would I'm sorry it's meets and events right events are, are like the 200 and, and that sort of yeah. thing and, and a meet is a, a day in which that is raced yeah. okay so if we're looking at, at the way this would be you'd have another one where you'd have the meets coming down here and you'd have the events going across the top you could have that, that one with all the different name, names. That could be their, their personal best as one database. And then you could have another table be an overall picture of all the different meets, a continuing record. Okay. And, it, and then the one that he was talking about with the personal information. Yeah. That one so that you start with. Mm -hmm. And then uh, begin to build upon that as far as times and events go, like the two that you were just describing, personal best. So we work out personal best overall team. So and, and it doesn't have to be swimming. I mean, you, if you you pick a favorite a favorite um, category or a favorite sport, and then you can go do the research and find out about these people. Does that sound like something you want to do? Yes. Okay. Great. So it's better for me to make uh, the specific one. And and you need you need to pick. You know, it's going to work better if you pick a specific sport. And if you can sp pick a specific sport, then you have all that data. Otherwise, you're going to have to interview each person that comes walking into the pool, and you have to be there all the time. Yes. You know, that's a, that's a pretty hard thing to do. Yes. Okay? And, like, and I don't know if you like football better than basketball, better than swimming, uh, rugby. I think I have half the rugby team living next to me at home in, in, in the apartment complex. So if you want to pick up, if you play rugby at all, if you're interested in rugby, I can get you a lot of information on that. So there's a lot of things you can get, get if you need. Okay, or or soccer, if that's okay. Do you play fantasy football at all? Uh, <laughs> sometimes. I was just, that's just another idea. Ooh, fantasy football is an idea. Okay, that boy, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? You play fantasy football? I don't, but I'm just thinking that, that that's a database habit, you know. Oh, wouldn't that be something to set that all up in a fantasy football? Because I'm just thinking that you know every time you have a sports broadcaster, they have some statistician. <coughs> Right, and all right. this stuff has to be in some type of database. Yeah. Because I looked at software that helped to help me organize my swim team, and I found out that it was just easier for me to do it all myself on a spreadsheet. Right. So, you, so you, 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 found, you found doing it yourself on a spreadsheet was easier than actually trying to figure out the databases they were putting together. Yeah, because a lot of it was irrelevant stuff that I didn't need right. to worry about. Okay. All the fields were already set for me, and I didn't have to worry about that stuff. So. Okay, good. Kelly, what did you come up with?
A database keep track of friends. Okay. personal background could could you do something where you have a table that would have family relationships I'm not sure how that would work any ideas <laughs> okay, so you're talking about some kind of relational database where you're actually talking about relations between people. <laughs> So it's, it's something that sets up all these relations, relations okay. together. And, it's kind of and they, they, they figure that since you know somebody that they know, that there must be some yeah, kind of commonality. Everybody's, Everybody's related to Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah, 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 right. Six, six, six levels of, of separation. Okay. Um, that's, that's interesting. You're going to want to make it more complicated somehow. That, that's, actually, that's actually the... I don't know if you've talked to somebody who's taken this class before. Have you? Because that's actually the assignment that this used to be, but we've we've made it more complex because we're dealing with relational databases. So you're saying a, an artifact database that would go with your, huh? That would be interesting. An a, a database for an e-portfolio. Oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't and it? I really started getting it laid out. I think it's really quite doable, actually. Well, then maybe that's something you need to work on. The EPTPDB. How cool would it be to go apply for a technology job and say, well, how do you, how do you apply these skills and pull out this portfolio to show them? So hey. <laughs> yeah, EPTP, that's a... Uh, Extra, what is it? No, <laughs> I like. There we go. We, we've we've we, we've done some workshops together on it, and and you were in my class too. I mean, we we've been. Um, if you're a minor in this in the undergraduate program, we've got a a, pro, a class which is called Classroom Computer Applications, and everyone in there creates a, an electronic database or portfolio, and putting it into a database would be kind of cool. 
So, like I said, we can call it the EPTPDB. Oh, there you go. And you can set it up as a personal growth or showcase. Yes, very good. <coughs> 66% on that one. That's okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. That'd be great. Well, actually, what we did is we developed a, um, a Word document. You can actually do your whole electronic portfolio using Word. And there's a 27-page document that you then put the, the data in, and it all links together. And Well, you did it, right? Of course, you didn't use the Word document. You used the other one. We use HTML because you want to put it on the web. The Word wasn't... Word, the, there's Word and then there's HTML. So we have both those capabilities. <coughs> so I'm guessing that this guy is probably going to take the electronic portfolio thing and toss, toss the golf. But um, friends... I mean, if, if you can think of something, I mean, something important about friends... Well, here's something you might want to do is take a look, um, open up Access, and take a look at the templates. You know, and look at those templates and see if it gives you any ideas. Because those are, have all been designed. In fact, there's, there's contact templates and all those sorts of things. Go out on the web and look for things for rela uh, relational databases. See if there's anything that fits into your life. I'm sure you've got a lot of important things in your life that... Finance Financing? Yeah, finances. Um, or doesn't your dad do something? Your your dad does something interesting, doesn't he? I, I seem to remember you said something about that. Chevrolet. Hey, why don't you why don't you build a database a database on cars for him? There you go. That'd be cool. Well, he doesn't. Well, then help. Sit down and talk with him about it. See, if there's something you can help him with. Okay, Rob. Okay, now re review what this. You're talking about a mini course thing. Review well, that again. We have a field day for all students. We got 365 kids, and they sign up. They sign up for, for these activities. They put their first, second, third choice, and they try to put their first choice depending on how many spots there are. But then, along with that, you also have to be able to produce reports to get the teachers for attendance and who's in their group and if they paid or not. Now, now, the field day, they, so the, they have one day, is this like a school day? Yeah, so it's basically 32 individual field trips. So, so there's 32 individual field trips, and then you have to organize all of that? Yeah, and last year I did it with all Excel, and it was just a nightmare. Oh, jeez. I to print a report, I had to go and sort it, copy it to another Excel, just for that teacher, because I didn't want to have to have a teacher go through and look for all the kids that are in cooking, cooking, cooking. And, mm -hmm. and so, after getting done with class, I'm thinking to myself, i got to that one because I'm going to have to do it again anyway. So what would be your flat database? The, the one well, you would the start one with? That we read, I think we'd probably start with would be, would be the student's name, um, their homeroom, because that's mm -hmm. what we hand out the info, and then um, what class you're doing in the morning, what class you're doing in the afternoon, and how much it costs. Okay, so they're, what oh, so they're taking these classes. Yeah, their activities. Are there requirements of, of like um, materials that they have to bring in for them? Exactly. So, like, some of them might have to bring, um, you know, a fishing pole and bait or whatever, and the next class might have to have 
<clears throat> so one of your, well, I'm sorry, I've got some ideas, but let me open it up. You're the I, team. I, mean, I, I spent last week kind of playing with it. Uh-huh. Because we're, we're meeting here soon for the mini course committee. Right. And I want to, it was a nightmare last year. Right. It came to a point where I felt like I was doing all of it because nobody else wanted to do it. So how do you see the tables broken up? Um, one table I would use for contacts. So not all the teachers in the building teach all these activities. I get outside people to come in and teach them. And we don't have anybody expert in calligraphy. So, so you're so saying contacts, but it would be like, like the people who are the, the leadership. Yeah, the, te- exactly. the, the people that are holding the Okay, so that's one. And then the next one would be the list of students. You got the list of students, okay. Yeah. And then the next one would be... Um, uh, and then the other one would be the activities themselves. Right, and I was thinking about that one as the activities themselves. And then activities themselves would be the name, yeah. uh, the total number that we're allowed to come in, exactly. the uh, materials needed, Maybe you'd have a description. Yeah, and the room that they meet in, <coughs> how much it costs for that activity. Could could you see taking this and turning it into a mail merge, and you could set the whole thing up so that the students, you know, you could actually create letters where you'd merge what's in here with the information over here, and you'd say, "Dear John, you know, you're going to be taking this one at this time, and this is going to be the teacher that you're going to be having." And then you're going to be taking this one at this time. Oh, and, and then you, you've got it like the database. You've got the table that has the, the teacher as well as the contact phone number. Yeah, exactly. And so you wouldn't have to change it on each of, each of their, each of their uh, classes. And you I could actually just change it once on that teacher's record, and then it would change on all of them. Yeah. That's the ultimate re- relational database. Because, oh, that's good. Because the thing that, that, that I would... I don't know if this is possible with this, but I believe the best situation for me would be to see if I can put this Whoa, that sounds good. Because that's the thing that takes tons of time. Because I got 365 kids, I have to sit down and write. Okay, I got to find their name. Uh huh. I got to say, oh, they want to do wrestling and taekwondo. Uh huh. This kid wants to do cooking and calligraphy. That's Uh the time-consuming thing. There's any way, and I don't know how I've been looking, and hopefully I can figure it out. But it'd be great for them to all, they all have technology class. Uh huh. Say on this date, you're going to go to this this webpage. You're going to enter your favorite activities. Wow, wouldn't that be something? You know, you know what would be really cool? And like I said, I haven't decided on whether we're going to have a, a, a final exam or a final project in this class. Right now it's a final exam. But I could see it developing where you'd have, like, the personal database would be your single table that would be the students or whatever it's going to be. Um, your relational database, the expanded personal database, is the one that is going to be the one that has all those other tables that are integrated, and then turning it into a final project would be the mail merge and taking it and putting it on the web. I have no, like I said, I, I, I don't see how, I, if, 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 if we could set it up, and, and you might all think about that, if putting it up on the web, you know, what you're doing, you could put up on the web so people could enter and add that sort of stuff. If you're taking a look at... Um, being able to mail merge, because mail merge is something that is actually in the book on how to do that. It's not that difficult. And so what we can do is as we develop this, and you know, this is constructivism at its best. seems like I teach a lot of classes like that, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, this is constructivism at its best because what you're doing is you're developing this class or you're developing the database that will fit into your, your needs. 
and you can turn it, in, make it as big or and as as comprehensive as possible, or as what would fit your needs. So that would be really good. Yeah, right, right. You know what, Yami? When you when you go back to to um, Indonesia, you're going to be. Are you still going to be running the um, the language lab? What about creating a huge a, a database dealing with the language lab? It's, it's a good idea. I mean, if you think about it, it means a lot more to you than the swim team, right? You might think about, it. huh? So, in connection with the lab language laboratory, in connection with the managerial uh, concept, or yeah, well, ma managing the lab. I mean, it could be a number of things depending on what you want to do. You could have a record for each machine in the lab. You could have a record for each class that uses it. You could have a record for, I mean, it depends on, on how you'd want to do it. There's a lot of, of aspects to that. I haven't thought it through yet. But why don't you, I mean, think about something like that that would, and, and you could even you could even do it in Indonesia, Baha, um, Bahasa. Bahasa Indonesia, which is Indonesian. And, I mean, and if you did something like that, that'd be something you'd really be able to take back. What do you think? I think it's... Uh because I can uh, apply directly what I get from this class. Okay, good. I, well, that, that's what we want to do. Is you guys work way too hard and spend way too much money to just do things where you're jumping through hoops. You thought of one. Oh, your mom's coffee shop. Oh, big duh. Hey, you know what? Yeah. And and you know what? I think I know I know there's a database in the databases that come with with the access book. There's a database for video which is the the media loft. But I think it's half coffee shop. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? So what you need to do is you need to get on the phone with her or go down there and while you're drinking her wonderful coffee, then what you need to do is you need to sit down and say, "Okay, look at this." I can put this all together for you. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the fact that Matt, is she putting you through school? Okay, well, pretty much she, <laughs> you've been charged. <laughs> now, you know, the problem is that, you know, what you're putting together is something that her whole company is going to run on. And so you might, you might pick something like you said, like inventory or something like that, that maybe isn't quite as crucial but as you become much better at this you know I mean you, you may turn into a, a DB nerd you know who's so good at doing this sort of stuff that you go out and you, you make $200 an hour putting this stuff together not a bad deal huh not bad at all I figure if my accountant can make $140 an hour doing tax returns there's no reason you shouldn't do $200 an hour doing that okay well this sounds pretty exciting I think you guys have some pretty good pretty good ideas ahead of you what do you think it's getting out of hand. I know you're sitting there and you're. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm. <laughs> what is it? The brain? Who is it in the brain? Pinky in the brain. Pinky in the brain. And what are we going to do tonight?
just the same thing we do every night, Pinky. We're going to, what is it? Try it? No, we're, no, something about plan. Plan to take over the world. Something like that. Okay, so we def- I definitely need to learn those quotes. Oh, wineless, you could do that too. Okay, so that's what we have for this, for this assignment. And then I, we will discuss that next week. Um, let's see. I returned uh, your Access A assignments to you. Do me a favor, if you would, please. I don't have this in the, the notes or anything like that. But if you're printing out page 16A, would you please put 16A on there? I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what it is. I just don't want to mess it up, you know. And so, if you'll make, if you'll note those, and whenever possible, just consider that you want to make this as as explicit as possible for me, so that I don't mess up what what you're you're trying to show me. Um, okay, and now let's take a look at some mining mining the mission. And let's see, I need to press that button. I have more questions. Yes. Uh huh. For the next article, I said that I. Right. Uh-huh. When do you want that inputted? Well, I think that's something we need to discuss right now because I want to talk about um, the process we went through. In fact, actually, let me go over here and we'll take a look at the discussions. And I must admit, I looked at everything as of last night or yesterday, but I haven't, and, and some stuff this morning. But I want to talk about timelines and this assignment. Like I said, this is the first time I've tried this in, in a class like this. What did you think about? The um, the timeline while putting this up. I think the timeline is fine. I just messed up on the actual what we needed to do because yeah. I, I didn't read carefully enough to find out that you needed to respond to not just your two postings but to two other. Right. So you need. You need and I just that okay. Was, I lost that. Okay. Another question. Yeah, keep. What about timelines? The the deadline is uh, on Wednesday for posting the opinion. The deadline's on Wednesday. Yes. The yeah. problem is that then that means that if everybody waits till Wednesday, then when they sign, when the first person posts on Wednesday, then there's nothing there to respond to. Um, Okay. What? By the time I by the time I typed up the, re- the answers to the question, mm-hmm. I them, right. And then I waited for some people to respond and everything, and you know, right. the days gone by. So. Okay. So what do you say that we come up with some dates, such as, um, and I know that we're making the dates right now, and so we can't necessarily hold hold you to like tomorrow, or or the next group. It's Cal. Callie and Rob are doing the next posting, right? Okay. You two are doing the next posting. Are you prepared to put up your questions? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, what I would like to propose, I was going to make this democratic, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. What I would like to propose, uh, yeah, well, well, but it's open for discussion, okay? I, I, I want to work with you on this. I, yeah, <laughs> I'll pretend that I'm discussing, okay? I would like to propose that your questions, you know, the person or persons who are in charge of the discussion, that their questions are due Friday. Now, I know you guys don't have it, so well, that would, that, under this new rule, it would be tomorrow. 
Now, it's not, it's not fair for me to make you do it tomorrow. What day would be a good day for us to shoot for that you will have read the article and you can pose two questions? Sunday? Sun, Sunday at midnight? Okay. So what we'll do is we'll say Sunday. Sunday. You, you'll have them posted by Sunday. Okay, now we have to look at responses. So the questions are going to be posted by Sunday. Now, we look at a response. Um, that means they're posted by Sunday. You guys should have already read the article by then. Okay? Everybody should have read it. So you should be able to read the, art, read the questions and respond to them by what day? Monday? Monday out of the evening. Yeah, Monday evening, is that out of the question? No, I mean, if, I, if we post them, like, I would post mine like on Saturday night, Saturday sometime, or, or Sunday. You know, you guys can read them by Sunday afternoon. Like, Monday, yeah. Monday afternoon. Well, mon- Monday, at, Monday at midnight? Monday at 11.55, huh? Okay, so this is what we'll do, is that you'll have it posted by Sunday, hopefully Saturday, but by Sunday, right? And then you guys will have, everyone will have their first answers posted by Monday night. And then you respond, and let's not post anything after Wednesday. Because I'd like to read through them all, but I don't always have the time on the same day to read through it all. Is that, uh, so, so the last postings will be Wednesday. And I hope you're hearing this out in TV land. I'll send it out as an email as well. But I think the last po- so so it'll be and then in the future we'll make it Saturday or that the the deadline for posting the questions is going to be Friday and then posting the first response would that still be Monday and then your final response would be Wednesday does that seem okay with everyone okay good. So we'll, we'll, we'll make those the, the new rules. And we're looking at Friday, Monday, and Wednesday. Got it. Okay, now this obviously means you need to think ahead, you need to plan ahead, you need to read ahead. Now, I have to tell you, I just found the coolest piece of software. In fact, I am going to... Um, I can't do it on this computer because I'm, I'm taping. But I found a piece of software, and I'm not sure if it runs on a Windows machine, but I know that it runs on a Mac, and it's called Text to MP3. Now, text, and you might want to write this down, Text to MP3. And what this software does on, on a Mac is you can take a text file, you can drag it onto the piece of software, and it will go through and it will turn it into an, an MP3 audio file. So it uses the, um, the voice that your computer is set to and it reads the whole article or text file into a file that you can then put onto an MP3 player or listen to on your computer. Now, I just, I just digitized the, the, one that, the, the part one. Who's doing part one? I just digitized part one, and I've read through it, but I want to read through it again. And I think what I'm going to do tomorrow is, while I'm riding on my stationary bike, is I'm going to listen to, I am going to listen to Al do the reading for me. (laughs) 
But isn't that an incredible idea? So the, the idea is you could actually take the article, you could put it into something and listen to it while, while you're driving or while you're, you're walking or working out or something like that. Um, would anybody here be interested in my finding out more about those programs? I mean, it's a free program. Yeah, you can get it at Apple. That's where I that money. Really? Yeah, okay. I drive 45 minutes one way. If you drive 45 minutes one way and you could, do you have an MP3 player? <laughs> no, but I'd buy one. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I think I think you should probably buy one, because you could you could listen to these wonderful lectures again, and then you <laughs> quit laughing, Kelly. Okay, <laughs> I mean these these these, these are going to be immortalized, huh? You save my time sitting down and having to read them through them all over and over. Right now, the thing is that presently, the the voices are quite metallic, and actually, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. Um, I apologize out there and. TV land. Oh, look at it. It's coming out here, and we're going to get an echo for a while. But I'm going to open up my folder, which is called text to MP3. Hello, 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 hello. Okay. And here it is. Data mining mission. Actually. What it's doing right now, well, what it's doing right now is feeding back. But what it's doing right now is this is all the stuff that's at the top of the page. And I needed to um, get rid of that before we started this. So do, do you hear this? This one is called. This that's machine voice. It's computer voice. This one is called Vicky. We're going to stop Vicky for a minute, and then I'm going to go up here. I'm going to go to System Preferences. Oops. <laughs> You can't, you can't see it, I know, okay. Well. When you are speaking, it's automatically recording? No, actually what, it, what it's doing is, it, 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 is, it is actually, um, let's see, where's, where's voice? That's not what I want. I want system preferences, we'll close this up. Um, what, it's, what it's actually doing is it actually goes through and uses the computer voice to read all of it into the file. You don't even listen to it until it's all done. And it's done in like three minutes and it's a 26 minute um, file. Okay, we're gonna, let's see, system preferences. Um, actually, I downloaded it and then I saved it as a text file. Just saved it as a text file and it took care of it. Oh, here we go, speech, that's what I wanted. Okay, here, here, here's Vicky. 
The sum of the spheres of the legs of the right triangle is equal to the sphere of the high touch. Here's Victoria. And here's the cellos. Bubbles? Okay. So I'm going to turn off the outcome output. There we go. So we don't have that problem. But so this is something, this is another way in which we can, we can use technology to lighten our load. And I don't know if you're an auditory learner or a visual learner, what you could do is you could listen to it and then you go back and you review it and that's when you make your notes. But that's just, a, that's a really cool way of doing things. Okay. So that's, um, let's get into mining the mission. And let's see, I need to go over here, click on this button. And mining with the mission. There we go. And I'm going to start this out. And here we go. Mining with the mission. I'm going to turn on one of the lights up here so I can see the papers that I have here and I can read them. Let's see. Is there one that's better? Well, the letters are big, so that's okay. Um, <clears throat> if you remember in, in, in reading this article, now I'm kind of I'm kind of going through this. This isn't exactly how what, what I'm doing is I'm I'm satisfying all the parts that are in the assignment. Now I am modeling how you might do this. This doesn't mean it's the only way it needs to be done. You don't necessarily have to have a PowerPoint, but as many of you know, I can't clear my throat without a PowerPoint. So what I'm looking at is I'm, I'm simply using this to help organize myself and organize just the, the overall presentation of this information. And one of the things, let's see, got it. Um, basically, these are the topics that were covered in the, in, in the, in the article. Basically, looking at, at student achievement, looking at data over time, multidimensional perspective, clean and accurate data. You, you can read this for yourself. Now, the idea was that they were talking about when you're, when you're data mining is that you're going out and you're trying to take a look at how well students are doing. And the whole reason you're doing it is because it's student achievement. And this is really important because that's the only reason that we would go to all this, this effort to put this together. And then they, they took a look at the different ways in which you would look at the data. You'd look at it longitudinally. Now, or actually, one, one of the interesting things, I'm, I'm going to step back just a little bit, was that uh, Roland Unified School District was one of the schools that was um, identified. Now, that's in uh, Roland Heights in Southern California. And one of my really good friends used to be an English teacher there. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of vatos there, and it's, it's a pretty tough place. But they're saying that going through identifying what the needs were of the students and then going in and specifically addressing those learning needs that they, they increased their learning um, outcome and were actually the, the, the passing of their California high school exit exams, they increased it by 20%. 20%. Now, I have to tell you, that when I read it, I wasn't very impressed when they were saying, well, we identify what, what they need to learn, and then we have certain things that we, we, you know, processes we have them go through, you know, little exercises, and then we test them again and we find that it improves it. Because when I taught fifth grade, I was teaching in, in Palmdale, which is where the uh, Discovery just landed a, a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, actually, the Discovery Space Shuttle. And um, I was teaching in there, and they had a whole system. This is in the 70s. 
my gosh, it was the 70s. And it was set up so you had a booklet, you know, and what they would do is you'd give them a test, and, if, and anything, any places where they needed to know more about or they didn't do very well and they needed to, to do better, what they had was we had booklets that they would go through and they'd work on them, and then at the very end, they would take another test, and if they got two out of three right on the test, then they passed that, that objective. Now, I always thought that was a little phony. Because, you know, what does it take? You know, I learn about, I don't know, um, renaming fractions. And I go through and I do this little booklet that takes me, what, 15 minutes? And then I take this test and I get two out of three right. Now, does that mean I know it tomorrow? I don't think so. Not necessarily. But if it has to do with the exit exam, where they sit down and they take the exit exam and they're improving 20% graduation rate, that is really impressive. And obviously, like all numbers, you have to go in and look at it more carefully, but it, that hit me because, number one, that I knew the place, and number two, that those are pretty good numbers. And we take a look at it over time, and that's the idea of doing things longitudinally. Now, longitudinally, and, and we had a, a good discussion on, on that, and I'll get to that in a minute, but we were talking about, I really enjoyed what they were saying in there about the third, fourth, and fifth grade. Now, they're talking third, fourth, and fifth grade. Why is it that they were doing third, fourth, and fifth grade, and why weren't they doing first, second, and third? Any ideas? I'm thinking uh, the fifth and the fourth grade have prior knowledge. Okay, so you're saying, but but first graders don't have prior knowledge? They have, but uh, I think uh, in my mind, they have uh, experience from first grade or second grade. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think the answer, any other... Yeah, there's four letters. NCLB, those are the four letters because when the, one of the tests that they give them is in the fourth grade. And the thing is that every year they test them in the fourth grade. Now, you don't know what kind of third graders you're getting until you test them, right? So, if you have, have a system where you're setting it up for third, fourth, and fifth grade, and you also, you know, in the fifth grade, um, they know what, what came out of the fourth graders and they know where to improve it. And then, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth is all in the middle school. But so I think that's what they were doing. But that's the idea of working longitudinally, looking at this stuff over time. And they were doing it in a real life, you know, let's get together and look at the data. There, you could also look at it longitudinally over a whole district if you needed to. Um, we talk about multidimensional. And obviously this is typically the demographics, you know, what is their social level and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting when they were um, dealing with, they were talking about, the students who stayed in there for, who had been in school for less than two years, and they were having problems, and they were having problems reading. And so what they did is they said, this is a group that we have to address, because there are probably some very per personal and social things they, they deal with that, that we're not addressing properly. So th these are real issues where you, you can take a look and see what's happening. Um, it's important to have clean and accurate data. If, if, you're, you know, if your data isn't there and it isn't ready and accessible, then you can't use it to support your argument. I mean, you can always say, well, we've got it here someplace. Well, now, since it's all electronic, you can't just say here some place. It needs to be available. Um, building the information culture, I think we had a really interesting discussion online about the information culture. And actually, there's another article later on that we'll be talking about that as well. And then the elements of the data-driven system. Now, this was actually something you had to dig around a little bit to find, and, and, and I'll be talking about that in a bit. Here's the elements of the data-driven system. I talk about the functional district databases. I'm going to turn off the light because that's a little difficult to see. 
we talk about the functional district databases. These are the, are the, the minor databases. And what they do is somehow they extract it and put it into the data warehouse. Data warehouse is all, where all this stuff is, is, is saved. And we'll be talking a lot about data warehouses and, and how you try to get the, so the data, I mean, you're going to have, if you think about it, you have data that has to do with attendance, you have data that has to do with family size, minor, you know, what, what, what is their ethnicity, as well as all of the, the, the tests. And you have to have some way in which you can take all that, put it into the same format electronically, and then be able to use it. And I'll tell you, when you first start one of these things, it is a huge job. Because there's data everyone. Where I'm sure at your school, you, you've got you've got so much data. If people, that's their full time job. Is just data data massaging. Data collecting analysis. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had people that come in and, and, and were prepared to teach her how to do those. Right. Well, that's right here. The consulting and needs assessment. And all, you know, that's that's what it's all about. You get it into the, the data warehouse, and then you start massaging it. That's what the data analysis tool is. Now, data analysis tool could be Excel. Could be a lot of those different things, but I mean, or or you have something that's a little bit more complicated, and then what happens is that you, once you've made these decisions, or you've analyzed it, what is the thing that you need to do? Now, down there at the decision support tool, that decision support tool could be a really good administrator, but it, you know, also they want to have that kind of, of background. I mean, one of the things you talk about, and you'll see systems that um, the curriculum has been mapped out. And when they make a decision, you know, like here you, you get this data about the, about the students and then you analyze it, you figure out where they need help. And then what will happen is that if you have an online curriculum where it does the remediation, that's where you, you, you make the decisions as to what they need to go through and they go back and they go through it. Once again, that's not the total answer. That in many cases, that's ba in some cases, it's a drill and kill system that they, they try to use to try to get things through. I, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Plato. I'm not talking the philosopher, but Plato is, is an organ. It's a um, imagine a classroom like this, where everything, all the computers are connected to a single server, and what happens is that they have a curriculum, uh, a computer-based curriculum, and they test the students to find out where they are, and then based upon that, they go through and they, they do the, the proper um, drill and kill or the drill and work things to learn those skills so that they can then move up. A lot of, lot of positive reinforcement. I was a, a Plato um, lab manager for a couple of years in the 80s, I guess. And it was a little bit different because, you know, we didn't have labs like this. And it, it cost $100,000 to put a lab like this together. And you, we didn't have the web either. And so you put a lab like this together, plus you had a server and everything. Nowadays, what happens is everything's connected to the web. And so when you connect these sorts of things, all, this, all the curriculum and everything is just accessing the web, putting it on your computer, and it makes it a lot less expensive and a lot less uh, administration intensive. So that's what the, what the way this thing is set up. Now, one of the questions we talked about was dealing with um, the longitudinal multidimensional perspective of, having, of what's happening in the district school or classroom. And there were some really interesting points about how this makes a difference. And what I would like you to do is don't talk about your points, but talk about the points of the people you, you read. You know, like you might say, oh, Callie made a really good point. She was saying such and such. And I'm just going to throw it open and have somebody speak. What do you think?
He was talking. Rob was talking about what? We're here as teachers. Like we're here for the students. We're here for the students. Okay. To identify like their needs. Uh huh. So you're you're saying it's important for us to remember who it is we're serving. Yeah. Okay. What else? So you've got all this data that, that you're creating yeah, and tracking. Creating that I'm keeping track of. And then I send that in to Shirley. Mm-hmm. Shirley crunches it and figures out what, or, or tries to figure out what it all means and everything. But then I don't get any reinforcement of saying, well, because your kids are lacking science inquiry, here's support that we're going to give you to improve that. So you put all the information in there, but you get nothing back so you can then use it in your classroom. Pretty much. Now, isn't that, isn't that kind of like, taking a test and giving it to the teacher and the teacher never letting you see the results? Yeah. And it, and it, it just is very... I mean, I think right now you can go to any school right now and say, oh, what do you guys think about um, data for an only child left behind and collecting that data? And they go... <laughs> <laughs> because it, it really is. And, they, and there's a part of me, this sounds really cheesy, but there's a part of me that, that wants to get my master's in instructional technology to help teachers so that we can collect this data in the easiest way possible Right. so that... We, we can teach mm-hmm. all and collect all the stuff that additionally. You know, um, in Colorado, I taught out in Colorado for a year, and we kept track of 15 proficiencies. And so everybody in Charles is planning about four, and I'm like, <laughs> 15. You're only keeping track of four? Four proficiencies. Four proficiencies. Wow. So that's, that's, that's just my only concern about it. Uh-huh. You know, if they came to me and said, yeah, you're taking science inquiry, they need to work on this, here we're going to get somebody from the AEA come in and talk to you and observe you and try to make your classes more inquiry-based. Right, right. Then I'd say, hey, yeah, it's great. Or if they could tell you which ones ha- need the help. Exactly. I and mean, then give you the support from a parent or from an administrator saying, hey, I need to pull him aside and work with someone else. Right, right. Group, so. Okay, so that's a real important thing. That, that's, a real, that's a real thing that you saw. Anybody else? Yeah, if I could turn the question. Sure. Do you find that happening a lot based on so, so do, do we find that, that the in a lot of cases they're just taking the data, putting it in, and we're not getting it back? I think I think it has. Uh, I must admit that I don't have enough background in that to actually answer that uh, honestly. I could lie to you, and I can say, "Oh yes, I see that happening." I, I don't know. Um, I think that there are situations. And I, well, I know I've been in situations where 
data was being brought in, but the thing was that they had, didn't have the next step planned out well enough. I mean, you may even hire somebody who does the crunching, but the next step and the goal of addressing your students wasn't thought out well enough and deeply enough to actually come up with knowing what the next step was going to be. And so I think in, in most cases, I don't think it's malice that causes this, it's ignorance. And I don't use ignorance in a sense of, of being critical. I'm simply saying that ignorance means you don't know something. And they just haven't stepped out that far. Do you think that's probably what's happening in your district? Yeah, and, and then also the administrators, in defense of them, they also have all this other stuff that's going on at the same time. And I think that this data is something that can be set on your computer, sit there in an you know, infinite amount of time. And right. You really don't have to get to it right away. And next thing you know, the end of the year's come and they haven't. But, but the problem is, if, if, if the data is any older than a week, you've, you've, it's worthless. Because you've already gone through that, those units. You can't go back necessarily and take care of it. And what you could do is you could then modify the unit you have next and, and modify it so if they need more dealing with the scientific process, you can, you can modify that. But if it's any older than a week, and if you don't have direct access to it, if you can't just pop it up and take a look at it as soon as they have it, let them do what they want with it. But you need to be able to do what you want with it so you can, you can use it to better your school, your That's classroom. Like ITBS results. We right. ITBS in February. We don't get results back. On, I, can't, I don't really don't get the results back for me to sit down until about September, October of the next year. Uh-huh. And now I have a whole different group of students in my room. That so what's the sense? Yeah. So. Um, what, what, what do you think, Yami? Can you comment on, on something that someone said? Uh, talking about the data, not only the teacher can directly take the data from Now, the who, who said this? Out, out of the people that, that you read, who, just, who said this? I just want to continue what... Uh, okay, but what I'm asking is I want you to talk about what someone else said. That, that's what we're doing right now, is talking about what someone else said. You know, something that you read in what they were saying. I, Do you have any comments of, of the things that they said? I, I talk about... Uh, <coughs> Uh, that, I, that that is considered as the additional task. Okay. Um, in my mind, uh, using data is not only uh, taken from the, the the students, but also we can discuss each other among the teachers, for, for example. So mm -hmm. what do you think about uh, <coughs> the progress of the students? And uh, in, an ad, in in your in your class, for example. Yeah. And What's I can I can compare between what what is the progress of the student in their class and in my class. Uh huh. So uh, by sharing each other, we can uh, improve our. Uh, previous data mm -hmm. so that we can uh, design for the coming or the next time for okay. using so the classroom. So we use that data. Okay, yes. good. Callie, what kind of responses that do you remember as far as what, what people were saying in, what they re in their um, replies? Well, I just pulled up some of them. I remember um, Andy talked about with the uh, like overall um, like effects of using these approaches mm -hmm. is how it helps teachers kind of and like principals and administrators all communicate together. And uh -huh. That's a really good point. Um, 
So it, it was it was a medium of communication because yeah. they they could all they were all on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know that was pretty, that was good. And it, it helped create that collaboration among people. Okay. And, 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 and I don't know if you, in your writing if you meant this, but I kind of I kind of took it one step further. Mm-hmm. It's just anytime I go to a principal with concerns. I don't have any real data to support that other than classroom observation. He'll say, are you sure? And you yeah, say, oh, yeah, I really think so. He'll say, like, and Jasmine, I, I don't think Jasmine can read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's a new student. I don't think she can read. Then when we, we go through these data collection things, and they say, you know what? She reads at a second grade level. Her math is a fourth grade level. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why. And, this is she supposed, and she's, she's in tenth grade. Eighth grade, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and this is the reason why I think that she needs to be in this section of science because I have an eighth year. It's just it just makes everything a lot more supportive. Mm-hmm. You, you know what's interesting is I was uh, emailing a, a friend of mine. In fact, it's a guy I got my master's with, and he the things he's gone through. He he, w- he was over in um, where was he? He was over in Thailand uh, right before the tsunami. In fact, he was out d- uh, diving with some friends, or not friends, people that he, people from China and Vietnam. Neither one of them spoke any English. And he went out and he went diving with them. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity of, of having a conversation with somebody else where you don't have a common language. That's really an exciting experience. You spend like an hour. You can talk to somebody, but the thing is you don't have a common language. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're pointing at things, and, and it, it really is, is an experience. Well, sign language or whatever, a lot of, lot of smiling. Uh, but the thing is that he was out there, and he was you know, diving with them, and then he got on a plane the next day, flew home, and the tsunami came along, and that island was wiped out. You know, but I mean, the thing is, he's, he's a really incredible guy. And we, like I said, we got our masters together, and he was a principal at Arrowhead um, High School. I don't know if you ever heard about the fires that were out in California, Lake Arrowhead. And it went all the way up to his, his school, all the way around. And it didn't burn it. But, but he was telling me that for the last 10 years, and I didn't know this, and I'm very ignorant of this, for, for the last 10 years in California, everything is data-driven. That's the requirement. And what I'm thinking is I'm trying to see if there's some way that we might be able to get some kind of video conference with him where we could talk. And if you have ideas and questions you want to ask him about what it's like to do this for 10 years, he would be a great guy to talk with. I mean, there's a lot of people here in Iowa, too, where they're doing it, too. But I'm just saying, would you be interested in my trying to set something like that up? Hmm? That sound good? I'll figure out how, how we can do that. I think that'd be really cool. Okay, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of issues here. Uh, this one, we talk about the school culture, and that was something I, I mentioned. What was it that we... that? What does it look like when data is part of the culture? And you don't have to use somebody else's response or anything like that. I want you to think about it and give me an answer. What does it look like when, when data-driven decision-making is part of the culture? Now, don't explain to me what it is. I know what it is. But what does it look like when you go into the teacher's lounge, when you're talking to parents, when you have principal meetings, faculty meetings? Who wants to start out? You want to start out, Kelly? No. <laughs> okay. Tough. <laughs> no, I don't want you to tell me what it is. We know what it is when, it, when it's part of the culture. But what does it look like? I mean, we could define it. But when you're, when you're in a school and you have a school where the culture is all about data 
I mean, you know, or, or, or we could say that using data to make decisions is part of the way they do things there. What would you see in a, in a teacher's, teacher's lounge? They can be more organized and very, you know, it's, it's easier to make goals for students and be focused on the future and to kind of help kids kind of move along and to reach those goals. And to have now, how would that show up in a teacher's lounge? I mean, when you walk in a teacher's lounge and you hear people talking and you hear what they're doing, what are the kinds of things that you would see or hear that would show that it was part of the culture? Well, I'm sure they talk about the data, like what they're finding in their classrooms. Well, would they say things like, well, I've got the standard deviation of six and... No. No, what would they, what would they do? There's no, there's no right answer here. I just want, I want you to internalize it and think about what kind of conversations those teachers would have. <laughs> um, I don't, probably, I, I don't know. Well, you know, Mrs. Cap, Mrs. Tro, <laughs> I, I, I've got this, um, I've got this student in my class. I think you had him in class last year, and he was really. Yeah, and he, he was, you had him last year, and, you know, I'm, I'm really having some problems with him as far as, as, as his reading. Did you find that there were any places that it was, he, he knew more, he did better? Yeah, then I could pull up and see. You could pull what up? Well, I could talk about, you know, the data that I found that would go with Yeah, and so you... I could find either yes, he did have and, and you could say things like, well, you know, I found that when, you know, we, we, here's his data, you know, his information from last year. And I found that when he was doing verbal work, notice, notice on the verbal work, it shows that he does a lot better on verbal work than he does on the written work. And so it isn't just a matter of, well, it seemed like he did better. It's a matter of looking at how he's being tested. And then that's a way in which we can identify intelligences, you know, and those sorts of things. Very good. Very good. Okay. Who else wants, wants to try this? I remember about uh, the conference that with the teacher and mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. and the first time of the class uh, became. Now, is it, is this over at Orchard Hill? It, it is a connection with this. Okay. This kind of culture. Uh, the teacher would like to know more about the the kids or the students. Mm -hmm. uh, what does he usually do every morning or after uh, coming back from school, for example? Okay. So, does he usually read about the assignment or write, read a book or read another kind of books? Something like that, the question come up with, uh, from the teacher. Mm -hmm. And then the teacher would like to know more about the daily activity of the students. By understanding about daily activities of the students, they can know how to bring these kids uh, into their uh, classroom, mm -hmm. class, for example. Mm -hmm. So, like my kids, my uh, daughter likes very much uh, reading, but she doesn't like uh, talking. She likes to read, but she doesn't like to talk. Yes. And that was information that the teacher asked for. Yes. Uh -huh. Consequently, um, after after last semester, <coughs> I can see that I can see clearly about the reading score of her. So it's higher 
than speaking. I see, I see. And so that actually all matches, and, and the, yeah. the data that you're getting yeah. matches who you see as, as your daughter. Okay. So the student said that it's better for you how to bring your kid to interact with the other. Okay. So that your kid can uh, speak more. So she can improve uh, miss, his, her missing mm-hmm. at the previous uh, semester. Right. Good. So Good. Okay. Do you, do you want to add to that, Andy? Or do you have any... any what are you, what's your concept of what it looks like? I was going to steal Ron. What he was talking about. <laughs> he brought it up, and he hasn't raised his hand yet again to reiterate it. Uh, well, I figure he he lives it, and so yeah, that's why I'm I'm holding you off till the end. I was trying to think of my student teaching. I could come up with anything right offhand. It's a, a steal of his, uh, where he talked about where he had the actual. Just left. Was it the reading yeah. with the eighth grade student? Yeah. yeah, where he could actually come in and they could discuss now, uh, let's say for example, a BRI score and go pre-emergent stage or something like that. Right. So you can uh, back up some of your uh, intuitions with actual numbers. Okay. And, and that's the kind of thing, the discussions that they would have. Yeah, but use an example. Okay. Okay. Now, why, why, don't you, why don't you tell us something about what it looks like in your culture where you have data, maybe not well done, but, you know, that well, I would imagine that it's just not your science scores that they're collecting. No, and, and when it comes to our school, everything, we are a standard-based grading system. Uh-huh. That means that not only am I grading a kid A, B, C, D, and F, which includes turning work and late and class participation, right. but I'm also grading them according to what benchmarks they've mastered or they're approaching to master, mm-hmm. they're proficient, and so on. And so when I the conversation I always have a lot is with parents for parent-teacher conferences. They sit in and they're all traditional. They want to know what grade they're getting. Right. But what does that grade really tell them? They tell them that they're a good kid or that they know science. And so I say, well, they're getting a B. But these are the areas that they're working on. Uh-huh. And then I say, well, when it comes to science inquiry, he's got it down. But when it comes to the use of science tools, he's proficient here, or a three, or a two out of four, and things like that. Um, what do you do if the child is re- you, You've got eighth grade. The kid's reading at sixth grade level, so they're struggling. I mean, not greatly, perhaps, because right now, isn't the average about one grade level below? Um, at my school right now, we have about a third of the eighth graders that are reading in a fourth or lower. Okay, well, so that's that's so. that hurts. Yeah. So let, let, let's say we've got somebody reading at the fourth grade level. Now, let's say the person who's reading at a fourth grade level is really trying hard, yeah. but they don't have the skills. Is it possible for them to get an A? Oh, yeah. How? An A in science, but when it comes to determining whether they're inquiry or so on, I mean, I've had students get A's and B's, and they're getting... Um, Practitioner, which is the very lowest level of proficiency in our standards, that they're 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 that all the way across. Just because so that doesn't affect their grades. No, it affects. Like, I mean, it also depends on how, how the teacher sets up their grading system too. So that isn't standard. No, okay. how I give a grade is not standardized. I can't sit here and say I have to do this, this, and this. That's up to me still. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that good? Yeah, I think it is. Why? Because there's a lot more to to life down the road than just knowing your stuff. Okay. Because uh, you know, I have I have level one and level two and level three special ed in my room. Right. So level one being the very you know just mildly all the way to level three is uh, severe and profound um, and wheelchair bound number non uh-huh. and so on. 
And so I have level two special ed kids that really, when they get to high school, they're going to be tracked off to a vocational classes. Right. They're not going to take normal classes. And for them to come in, in my normal class, if I would do everything normally, they're going to form. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is because they're just not even close. So you have to address their needs. So I have to address their needs. And so those guys, I go this productivity grade. And instead of having to do with 20% of the grade, I make theirs worth 50% of the grade. Good. And I make their Good. homework, even though you know they have trouble getting it on time, it's worth 30% of their grade. And so their testing quizzes are only making 20% of the grade up. Yeah. And okay. so that's the only really fair way to do it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's a real issue. It's a real issue. Tell you what. Right now it is 7.30. Let's take a 10-minute break and we'll come back at 7.40. And what I want to do, in fact, actually, I'll tell you what the first question is. You can think about it during break. Uh, they spoke of using typical demographics as well as special, I mean, when they were talking about analyzing kids and, and, and getting the data. They were talking about, um, it said in the, uh, the article that they were using typical demographics, you know, such as race and those sorts of things, as well as special ed files, personnel and professional development records, disciplinary reports, library records, and financial data. How will this diversity of data resources affect the discussion of the reasons for success? So when we come back in 10 minutes, we'll start discussing this. Okay? Thank you very much. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. This is the second half of, of using databases in education. And today we is, I can't read my watch. <laughs> it's probably the ninth. Okay, so here's that question I asked you. And that was that they're using typical demographics as well as, as special ed files, personnel and professional development records, disciplinary reports, library records, and financial data. And how is this going to change or improve the discussion? You know, how are they going to use these resources to improve student learning or to assess student learning? I'm going to throw it open. Give, if anybody has an idea. Social economic status. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not because we're picking it. It's no child left behind. Picked it. Uh huh. Free reduced lunches. You know how to use how to use those students, and and you know that's I, I wrote on my my uh, discussion that it, that was we were on the watch list because our free and reduced students were doing significantly lower than our regular students. Right. Right. So I see that one being used a lot, and we took those students and worked with them individually. So, that's one so, sta- so uh, social economic status, SES, is, is one. I think that's usually with the typical demographics, though, isn't it? I'm thinking real seriously about these. Read through those. I don't, I don't know if you can. Why? You can read through them. It says no, special ed files. Special ed files, I mean, they're IEPs. They're, they're pages of different accommodations and testing. Okay, but so they're but they're looking at that, and may, maybe the accommodations that are being used aren't working. Okay, wh- what about the next one? Personnel and professional development records. The, that's an interesting point. These are not of students, are they? These are of teachers. These are of teachers. 
And this is what they're doing is they're, they're also saying that we can look at information about our teachers. Who's doing the professional development? What kind of personnel records do they have? What schools did they come from? And how does that affect how well the students do in their classes? A few years ago, I went down to Truman State University. You guys ever been down there? That is one incredible university. They really have it together down there. They got it going on, let me tell you. And so um, there I, met, I met a professor down there who had created a database that had like 2,000 fields in it. I mean, some incredible, maybe only 1,200. But what he did is he set this up, this database. You want to talk about a relational database. I have to track him down and find out more about it. Maybe we can get it involved here. But imagine a relational database that is set up where not only do you have all the information about the students, you also have all the information about the teachers. You have where they graduated from for their undergraduate, their graduate, and you know what kind of person, um, you know how, how much uh, professional development do they put in annually? All, all you know what kind of degrees do they have? That sort of thing. And he said that he could actually tell you, based upon the results from the classes, that if the student had teacher A in second grade, teacher B in third grade, and teacher C in fourth grade, they would do better than if they had teacher B in, first, in second grade, teacher F in third grade, and teacher C in, in fourth grade. So in other words, actually it isn't just one teacher over one year. It has to do the sequences. And he would actually analyze it to find out how, what, you know, which students did better going through these sequences. Now, what would happen once that got out? <laughs> once the parents found out about these sequences, do you think, I mean, think about what would happen to the teachers. The ones that were doing well, they would definitely have a problem. I mean, they, they would, well, they'd have a problem because they'd have too many students coming in. But could you imagine analyzing data to that level? And so, I wanted to bring this up because this is something that we're looking at. It isn't just analyzing students. Although, do they do much anal uh, analysis between student, student outcome and teacher preparation at your school? No, where I teach at currently, they, they don't. But they don't, huh? They don't. Not like teacher professional. I mean, I, as soon as you said that, you know, I, we did that in Colorado. They, they actually made it publicly known how each person's science classroom did on the CSAP, Colorado CSAP. Mm -hmm, and I seriously did. I did have parents come to me and you know and said, "Well, why is students doing better in her classroom as they are compared to yours?" Mm -hmm. Luckily, I wasn't the last one on the list. Uh, eighth, eighth grade teachers. Oh wow! But I was so. I, I think there's legal issues there that teacher unions can jump in on right away. Yeah, the, the, the unions will come in on that sort of thing, but so, but the capacity is there, isn't it? concept that I've been playing around with a little bit in some of the stuff that I'm taking down to AECT mm -hmm. is this movement between general to specific information. And uh, one of the ideas is that too general of information, such as some of the examples you've been bringing up, let's say that you just give a parent, a student, or a standardized test score, mm -hmm. or a grade. Mm -hmm. I would consider that general information. It is one representation of a larger whole, mm -hmm. my definition of it. And the problem with doing that is, is that the necessary supporting details that correspond with that grade, and you had mentioned it, uh, what you do with your class, such as specific standards uh, that can be 
uh, addressed in how that grade is made. Uh, different lesson plans, different all the things that go into making that mm -hmm. grade, that one general piece of information. So it needs to be supported by specific information. And that different audience members require different levels of general uh, specific information. Long story short, I see some of these fields as uh, representing some of those supporting details uh, to larger, more general pieces of information. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, they, they, they could. I mean, if it's and connected in, uh, there's some technical things that... But, but you know, but, uh, and trying to figure out how that all fits together. Yeah. Of course, you bring up the big question of professional privacy. And I think that's one of the things that scares teachers the most. And that is if they find out that my students aren't doing very well, does that mean I'm a bad person? Do I not like, I mean, but you know, it's just like being an athlete. You know, if you're an athlete and you've got something you're supposed to approach and you're supposed to be able to do, and you're not doing it anymore, then they put somebody else in there. It's scary. It's really scary. Sure. The discipline report is the one. That would be. Question: If that's if that's a teacher or a student, <laughs> the discipline report. Okay. Right. Normally. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be neat to, to have a database that show the relationship between keeping kids in class and how they do an achievement test and what are those issues that are, that are getting sent out, you know, different things you can help with that. Because really there are some students that at the beginning of the year, you have two days in class, you know they're going to they're gonna achieve the lowest. Right. Just because they're not in class enough or on task. Yeah, and so, so the question is how does discipline relate to... And, and how it's dealt with, and how does it relate to, to achievement. Okay, there, there's, there's one question. Here's another question. How do the elements of the DD system work together to provide successful analysis of an educational system? Now, the DD system, let's see, I don't remember if I put it in there. No, I didn't. That was it. Remember that DD system, the decision, uh, data-driven decision-making system? How do these work together to come up with some sort, you know, with answers? And where, where, can, where can things fall apart? Now, this really wasn't covered heavily in, in the article. In fact, it didn't deal with it too much, but I, I want you to think about it. Going back to what I was saying about the move between general and specific information, mm -hmm. the breakdowns can occur in the uh, connections that you provide between the information. Mm -hmm. So if you have... What do you mean, provide between the information? Um, let's say you have the standards and benchmarks, and then you also are have grades and you have these two distinct uh, pieces of data for each individual student that go mm -hmm. into the warehouse and go into the analysis and if the connection isn't made somewhere along the line for either a teacher or a principal to pull these two pieces of information together and see the connections <coughs> or the trends that may derive mm -hmm. from that connection that the breakdown can occur if someone hasn't thought ahead um, and try to explicitly lay out different connections between all the information. So, what, so you're suggesting that what they might want to do is have people sit down and talk about where are the connections and then when they see things not working, that these, these are the, the answers you look at first. They try type of the connections you might want to look for first. Yeah, and the, and, and the if you don't find an answer there, then you can look on other things as well. 
kind of like previously created queries. Well, it's not because you're going to be making one in your project. But the idea is that you know you, you're saying that they come up with ideas as to, to connections you already looked for, and you could actually program those into the into the computer or into the the database, couldn't you? Where all you have to do is press a button, and it'll give you those connections. Very well done. Very well done. Okay. Anything else? Well, let's take a look where things might fall apart. Obviously, where the where the information the, the format of the information when you begin. I mean, everything's on paper. Somebody's got to put it in. Anything else? The data, people putting data in, is the big thing that I think. Like, with our district assessment, I gave them an assessment that I created, and I found out that 68% of my 8th graders, I thought, were proficient in science inquiry. Really? And so I thought that was pretty good. I looked at the seventh grade information that, that it, at that time there was 59 percent that and I looked at sixth grade and it was around the 50th, 60th. So then I go to the high school and I get the information back from the high school and the high school teacher says that only 25 percent of my kids are proficient. Oh my gosh! And so I'm thinking, well, what happened during the summer? You know, right. what happened to these kids? And I found out that basically her testing was completely different than mine. So you didn't have she admitted the test, and, you know, gave the test, and, and how she set the test up was completely different. And so her data was completely different than mine, but they were going to be compared together. It's kind of like trying to land on Mars, <laughs> and you're not sure whether you're using the metric or the English system <laughs> for how you're going to be landing, right? Or, or you, you put the, the, the probe around Mars, and it runs in the atmosphere and burns up like NASA did. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, well you, you heard what happened on that, didn't you? Where the, the consultants were using metric and everyone else was using English, and the problem was that, that that's why they ran it into Mars because they couldn't figure out where it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So you you need to make sure that everybody's on the same page using the same scale. Oh, what a wonderful metaphor! You guys did great setting that one up. But right, and you want to make sure that so the way you're getting the information is important. And then notice here it was talking about the professional development and how that relates to the data analysis. You come up with a data analysis, you say, geez, the teachers don't know how to teach scientific theory. So you come up with this professional development, so it makes sense. I have an example from Waterloo during my student teaching experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we had identified from the fall test that fifth grade, fourth graders were having troubles with uh, certain elements of reading. Principal got a hold of this information and then called in a um, quote unquote reading specialist who came in and had a full day workshop, called in substitutes for the third, fourth, and fifth grade teachers, and called all of the regular classroom teachers into this meeting where we could discuss uh, different strategies mm -hmm. that we could use, um, hopefully to improve uh, before the spring test uh, was taken, but then also for those third grade teachers so that they can begin implementing them before the students take the, the one that counts, the fourth grade. So it becomes a longitudinal yeah. look at, at data. That was the decision that was made based on that data. Great. That professional development. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. You but, want but, but how did you isolate that was really a reading deficiency? I mean, that, that's the thing I have, that I have a problem with. Sometimes they look and they say, well, your kids are low readers, so we have to do more reading. Well, yeah, that would help. But no, it's because their parents never read to them as a child, or they don't have any real exposure to reading outside of school. 
you know, and, and that's that's sometimes I feel like we're, we 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 bring in somebody professional to train us differently, but we're really tackling a problem that we really don't have control over. So what if we can help, and it's not going to hurt anything, and hopefully it'll improve, but it's something that our data doesn't really reflect. What do you think about that, Kelly? Well, I was just like, how would calling a specialist help you, like, teach them how to read more? Like, how would that not help? No, I, I agree. It's going to help down the line, but, but sometimes I think that administrators sometimes feel that, well, your, your kids are poor readers, and we've done this and this and this, and what, you've only improved it just this much. And I always feel like, okay, but there's something a lot of these things that we can't do anything about. Okay. You know? Okay. It's like the, uh, Laura Bush was in Iowa today, and she gave an award to a, a I think she was a, a math teacher, because she had all of her 20, uh, every single kid in there in her group was 20% higher mm-hmm. on Iowa Test and Basic Skills in the math section. And I'm thinking, well, is it that, I mean, did she, this teacher get additional training in reading, or did they tackle some other issue down the line that affected how well the kids read? These are all issues, aren't they? And well, what, what do you think about that? Um... I have experience of uh, how the teachers in <coughs> high school uh, teach different uh, specialty. I mean that uh, the teach one teacher, uh, one teacher's background is from English English teaching, mm-hmm. and because of they do not have any uh, teacher who teach who is teaching science, the teacher uh, whose background is English teach science. Mm-hmm. So at the first time, um, there is a relationship between the inability, disability of the teacher who is teaching science while uh, he is from English. English. Mm-hmm. And the outcome of the students. And then the principal sent the teacher to take special training, like for uh, one year or two mm-hmm. years training. And finally, after they coming back, they teach science. And the outcome is different from the previous one. Because now you have a trained person yes. doing the work. Yes. Right. That's one of the things in the NCLB is that they want to make sure you have the most qualified person in there. And that, that issue happens. Do you have that at your school? Where you've got an English teacher teaching science? Uh, no, it, it, middle school is different because we can, we can have someone who's, who's certified K through, K through 8 education. Mm-hmm. And basically that means they can teach anything. But see, then I'm just the opposite. I'm certified in K through <coughs> or 7 through 12 science. And so... I have some people that are specialized in sciences, teaching sciences. some people that just take additional classes. Well, I must admit that um, in California, I have life credentials. One of them is elementary, and the other one is uh, multiple subject. And I can teach in, in California, and since it's a life, I don't have to go back and, and re, you know, take classes or anything like that. I can teach any class in um, K through 12 as long as I'm teaching at least two subjects. And when I taught in the prisons in Malibu, what I did is I taught uh, math and science. 
Now, I'm pretty decent at math and science, but I didn't major in math and science. I majored in developmental psychology, which has some science in it, and it has some math in it. But, you know, actually there with the kind of math I had to teach, that wasn't too big of a problem. Of course, the math I taught there ranged all the way from the addition tables to trigonometry. It depended on, on who I had. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's a real issue. Now, one of the things I have to show you is an additional resource because that's another part of this assignment, as I'm sure you've read and looked at carefully when you printed out the assignment page and read it two or three times to make sure you knew what had to be done. Um, and this one actually has to do with NCREL. Has anyone ever heard of the North Central Regional Educational Laboratory? If you want resources on databases and, and data use, they have this thing called Data Use, School Improvement Through Data-Driven Decision-Making. Now, this is actually... I. I was thinking about using this as part of the class. I still haven't made the decision. I, I don't think I'm going to this year. Um, I like this, this quote, data helps you make changes. When you see data, it, puts, it really puts student achievement right in your face. And that was a sixth grade teacher in Wisconsin. Now this is actually, there are different uh, regional laboratories. There's uh, Swirl, which is the Southwest, actually maybe it's not around anymore, but Swirl was the Southwest Regional Educational Laboratory. There's the NWRL, which is the Northwest Regional Laboratory, Educational Laboratory, and they've got the Central South uh, Regional Laboratory. And these are places where they're actually paid. I mean, it's government money to actually put this stuff together. And there's a lot of great resources there. In fact, I, I've got a tape that I just got, and we're going to be watching that in just a minute. Um, I bought it for $10, but then I've got all these books and things like that that they sent me free of charge. In fact, they goofed up on my order, and so they didn't even charge me for next day shipping. It was, it was terrific. Um, but here's some stuff that they talk about data primers. And this talks about, if you, if you want to go through this, here's an overview about where are we, where do we want to go, how fast are we moving, in what direction, and what are we leaving behind. And this is where you can go through and, and, and go into the tutorial. Where are we? And this is a tutorial talking about assessing your program and relating it to other schools and what they're doing. Um, module two, where do we want to go? Module three, how fast are we moving and in what direction? Module four, are we leaving anyone behind? This has to do with drilling down. You see problems and you go down and you take a look at that data and see what it's all about. As I said, um, you, you might want to go through this and take a look at it. I haven't had an opportunity to do it. That's why I, I didn't use it in the, in the class. But you may find that it is very beneficial. Um, and this, once again, is on the ncrel.org website. And then there's additional resources and things like that that you can go on. This is a wealth of information. In fact, sometimes if you're looking for data for your other classes and things like that, you might want to just go to www.ncrel.org and they have data use, literacy, math and science, um, under math and science. Collaborate, customize, and connect with the North Central Eisenhower Mathematics and Science Consortium. Um, Learning Points Associates is the, uh, the marketing arm of their program. Uh, pathways to School Improvement, Policy and Networks, Professional Development, School Improvement, Teacher Quality, and Technology and Education. 
And here they're talking about the ISTE nets, the blue ribbon panel, and a whole variety of things here. That uh, The Engage website, which is really a good site for assessing uh, how technology is being used at your school. So I would strongly suggest um, spending some time looking this over because it's, it's a great resource. Okay, any questions on any of this? Okay, what I'd like to do, like I said, is I'd like to go into a, a video that is put out by these people. Like I said, I just received it uh, today, and I, I had a chance to look through it. I, I'd seen it um, uh, referenced in other classes and things like that that were being taught on this. And let's see if I can figure out how to make all this run. I think all I need to do is press video one and press play, and it should come out. Those of you in, in TV land, I'm simply going to shut you off for a while. Okay, we just finished watching the video that was called Data Exploration, A Journey to Better Teaching and Learning. And that is something you can pick up at um, NCREL. And if you go to www.learningpt.org and go to their catalog and look under data use, you'll see the data exploration, a journey to better learning, uh, teaching and learning. And there's both a video and there's a booklet inside that has some different activities you can do. I, I chose not to do any of these for this because we actually did a number of the activities already this evening or, you know, things that were leading up to it. But this is set up so you can, you, and you can borrow this and look at it if you want. But this is set up so you can uh, look at, uh, do the activities before or after to, to get people thinking about the process. Another really good thing to look at here is there's, um, there are a number of things such as, let's see, putting the pieces together, the elements of school improvement, that's free. Um, nurture growth, professional development, uh, planning for D3T, and that's data-driven decision, uh, um, decisions about technology. That's free. There are a lot of these things. And actually, what, <laughs> what turns out was that the, um, the video cost uh, $10, and then it was going to cost me $9 or $8 for, for shipping. But I figured that with all of the, the other, you know, I probably got 10 other magazines and things like that that were free on here. So I would strongly suggest going here and, and picking it up. Like I said, for $10, it's a great thing to take back. Uh, you might be able to get it in PAL format, you know, so you can take it, take it down to um, Indonesia. If you think that's an important thing, I'm not sure. You might ask them about it. We've got some nice people on, on, on the line there. So this is what we have. Uh, what do you think about the things that they were saying? Did anything ring true to you? You're saying most of it was was true. You, you've seen examples of all those things, yeah. okay? And I, I think I, uh, the, anything. Any other other comments about what you saw? The, the term is uh, data can change the students' improvement. Data can change the students' improvement, or the use of data can. Is it being there? Data is always there, but it's a matter of taking it and using it to to improve, right? And I, I think you know, do you think that might be what it looks like when data is part of the culture? 
private dating. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable putting, there was one of the, the pictures where the lady had the students' names and had stars next to them. I, not to be negative, but I could see parents having a real issue with that, knowing how other students are doing in relation to their own kids and having kids. Like, I never post grades, even by student numbers, mm -hmm. because no, kids know what grade they are. They know their student number, or they have a special ID number or whatever. Right. I don't know if I would be that in depth. Well, I know I, when I was a kid, we used to, if you got 100% on your spelling test, you'd get a star and it'd be running across. Now, part of it depends on how the spelling test is put together. Yeah. If the spelling test is done individually, so the students actually are given spelling words that are based upon their knowledge level, and then they're able to get 100% on it, then perhaps that would be an appropriate thing to put up. But yes, I mean, what to do with that data? I, I, they were talk, kept talking about make all the data public. What if you ended up with, you know, you took all the data and looked at it and found out that your school really, really had some serious <laughs> problems? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, would I want to take that? And, I mean, maybe what I'd do is I'd, I'd make it public to the people that were around the school, and then the next year, if things got better, then I'd make that public. <laughs> and I'd say, this is what it was like last year, and this is how it's getting better. Uh, that might be a, a way to approach it. What do you think? Any, any comments on that? Would you would you take all your data and make it public? What do you think? Would you would you? I think uh, it's better. It's better to make it public. So that uh, other people can learn from that. Although if it's bad data, you might might get a little scared. But these these are issues we have you have to deal with. Okay, well basically we've we've gone through the, all the the data driven decision making work that I wanted to do tonight. Um, and like I said, that's, that's kind of a model of how you might approach the project that you're going to be doing as far as looking over your article. Uh, I'm, I, I may have spoken too much. I mean, imagine me talking too much. But uh, I, I may have spoken too much in putting this together. And, you know, maybe you want to keep it at a half hour or, you know, I don't know how, how long these are going, going to expand to. It depends on, how, um, does a half hour seem reasonable for your presentations? You can do longer if you want, but I mean. Right, that'd be an hour, okay. Um, typically what I do is I go into, wait, that's not where I want to be. I want to be over here in right there. Um, typically I go through this, although we're, we're pretty close to the end of the class. Uh, what I'd like to do is just point out a couple things. I'm not going to open up um, the database or anything like that. What you'll be doing is you'll be working on Unit C this week. And then what I'd like to do is I really, next week, um, we'll do some intro work like this, and you'll, you'll do your presentations. But I think next week I'd like to do some, some work where we kind of we take a look at the work that we've been doing, you know, as far as making these. And in class, in class we'll actually create some databases and that sort of thing. So next week what we're going to do is you're going to be doing your talks about, about the, uh, the articles. We're going to be, you're going to be turning in and, and, and we'll spend some time discussing your write-up on, on this um, personal database. Okay, remember that sheet that we talked about, like those questions that are on there? Okay, I want you to, to bring those in and be ready to talk about them. And if any of you want to talk about them during the week because you're not too sure about what you want to do or if you want to just sit back and... and, and Shoot the bull on it so we can make it so you have a really good project. 
uh, please contact me so we can do that. We can do it on the phone, however you want to do it. But I, I think your, your mother's just going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd thought about that. That's great. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple things just to review a couple points here, but then, then I'll, I'll let you just kind of take off and do your um, unit C. Is that okay with everyone? Okay. What I want to do is I want to provide enough support so that you'll be able to learn on your own but also I don't want to make it so you go out there and you learn there and then we don't do anything with it here in class. So I'm trying to find this happy medium. So I need your feedback on this. If things are working, tell me they're working. If they're not working, if you think something needs a little help on it, give me some feedback on that too. Um, there it is. Okay. Basically, the, 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 what we're doing in this one has to do with planning and creating a form and how to put things together. And the real key when you're looking at a form is how you're organizing that data. And inside this, um, th these are actually steps that you go through with Unit C and how to use the uh, text boxes for calculations. You can actually make it so that your, um, your fields, well, okay, you're going to have calculation, calculating fields. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, text boxes for calculations. Uh, yeah, those, those, you know, I don't know how that works. I'm going to have to figure that one out. Uh, modify tab order. That's the thing where I, what happens is typically what happens when you, when you do your, um, you set up a, a field or, or set up a database, it'll, when you tab through, it'll tab in the order in which you've put, entered the fields. But sometimes you want to move them around. So you need to make sure that that tab order is correct. Um, and this is how you enter and, and deal with records and how to insert images. And so when we start out with planning a form, once again, you've got to ide identify what your source documents are and how it's best to deal with each of them. Remember, it's all about the planning. You will never, ever get your database right the first time. Guaranteed. And I have to tell you that, you know, a lot of times, I, things like planning... Um, Someone once told me that, you know, I, I was always concerned. used to be I didn't plan much. And some people think I still don't. But I, I really do do a lot of planning on things. But the thing was, the reason I didn't plan was I said, well, I won't get it right. You know, what if, what if I'm not right? There's all these, all these things I, I need to consider. And somebody finally turned to me and said, you're not going to get it right. Whether, you know, when you plan something, there are things that are going to be wrong. And that's Okay. But, you know, Dwight D. Eisenhower, I don't have the quote directly, but Dwight D. Eisenhower once said that the process of planning, you know, plans when you go into war are useless because you never know what's going to happen. But the process of planning is indispensable because you've had an opportunity to sit down and think about what it is you need and how you're going to address it. And you're, you're going to change things, but you're going to be in much better shape to change things if you've been thinking about it rather than just saying, well, we'll just go in there and wing it. Okay? So that's the same thing with a database. You want to sit down, you want to plan it, and when you're identifying a form, you want to take a look at what is the data you're looking at and how are you going to organize this. There's different types of forms. We talk about the bound and the unbound, and that has to do with um, how it's, it's organized. Um, we type it, talk about the different kinds of controls. Now, this is actually straight out of the book. It's one of those great um, images that comes straight out of the book. Is it big enough for you to read? Okay. Um, and we talk about the label, which is, is the part that tells you what goes in the box. 
got the text box, which is where you put the, the data. We've got the, the list box where it's, it's kind of a, like a drop-down menu. Here's a combination box where you can, you can have a drop-down menu or you can just simply add another piece if you, if you want to. Um, this is when you're, you're tabbing through. Check boxes and toggle boxes are basically the yes, no. And that, remember, those are, are required in what you're going to be doing. Uh, we talk about the option button where you have choices to what you're going to do. Um, option group, bound, uh, bound object, frame, unbound. I mean, these are things that when you go through it, it's going to make more sense. Uh, here's where you can, you can use the, the line or, or rectangle where you're, you're putting in some graphics and that sort of thing or you know, just trying to get, give like groupers. Again, one of the things you can do is if, if say, you have, say you have text that has to do with addresses and stuff like that, you put that onto the form and you can put a box around it which will group that visually. You know, it's, it doesn't do anything else except just group it visually so it's easier. Then people know that down here is where we might be putting our educational materials. It's just, it's just adding, you're shaking your head. It doesn't make sense? Okay. Oh, okay, so you're the next step on. That's good, okay. And then uh, the command button has to do with if there's certain things you want it to run. Um, access can go so much further than what we're going to do. I mean, it, it is just an amazing program with all, all the macro programming and things like that you can put into it. And if you want to go into it and, and read into all that, I think we're only going to be going through eight or, eight or nine chapters. And then we, there's a couple other chapters based upon how, how far we develop this, like going into the web and that sort of thing. Um, but there, there are many other things you can get into in this. Uh, here, here's an explanation of all those pieces. We talk about the tab control, where you can control what, what, what page you go to. We talk about the text box, the combo box, the labels that are identifying that, the option group. Facing above. Here you've got a set of options you can select, and you can simply use one of those radio buttons to select it. Um, there's the toggle button, tenured, yes or no. <laughs> if you click on it, yes, they're tenured. If you're not, then they're not. And remember, I was taught that's the bound object frame. You know, in other words, that's that's one piece. That's a an only object. Remember, we were talking about how you had to have some sort of graphic in there. In this case, it's going to be it's it's a record about a specific person. And so that specific person, you know, there's going to be his or her picture on there. Um, there's another one. In this case, you'll notice that it has a, a graphic here. And that graphic is going to be the same on every page. Did you put that in there? No, I didn't. Yeah, no, actually, this came with a book. And, and as, I, as I told you, and I'm going to be honest about it, the basics of, of these I, came with the book. No, this actually, this, this came from us. Well, it could be, could be, and, and they know they know what teams to put in. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the list box where you've got the, you know, it's like I said, it's like a drop-down menu where you, you can, well, it's not really a drop-down, but it's a list box where you can select it. Um, we talk about the command buttons. When you click on that, it's going to do things. Uh, the check box. And then we talk about that rectangle, about organizing it. That's what, we were, what I was talking about from a graphical standpoint. Notice that what they did here with this rectangle is they actually did it like an, an impression embossed depression. So it, it gives it a three-dimensional perspective. So is that, quick, is that the interface then that one uses to uh, input information as well? Yes. Well, this is, this is a form. Okay. And that's what, what you're going to be doing is creating a form. And you've got backgrounds and things like that you can use, and and you can you can have a great time with it. 
you know. And these forms can, can be put on the web. And right. Can, and data could be entered from the web. They can, it can be done. Now, um, there's a process, I mean, and, and, and there's one where, where you're doing it in a rather rudimentary style, and then there's ones where you're talking about SQL and things like that uh, where it's a little bit more advanced, PHP and, and those sorts of, of programming languages. But those are, uh, we're not going to be getting into PHP, but we, we do have some, uh, there are some chapters in there where they talk about how to put this up on the web and, and how to create a data-driven database or um, website. And then there's different ways in which you can create forms. And these are wizards and things like that that you can go through. Once again, I'm going to let you go through this on your own. Um, here's your basic form. And then you can put the other, other pieces in. Uh, this is how you move things around. These are your design control elements. Notice this is very rudimentary. The other things are, are the window dressing that you put on later on. Uh, when it comes to moving labels around, you know, when you're trying to line these up, you can right, right align them, left align them, just like when you're using Microsoft Word. Uh, imagine this is simply being a graphic, or, you, you know, a graphic item where you can make it bigger or smaller, you know, with the, the little handles on the corners and such. Um, selecting more than one control, they talk about shift clicking. Uh, using text boxes for calculations. And that's where, if you're in a text box, I think, oh, what you I do, you can identify a text box and then you can actually create, put this type of equation in it. If you start it with an equal sign, then it identifies, it's like on a spreadsheet. In, in Excel, if you start it with an equal sign, it says, ooh, this is going to be a calculation or a value of some sort. And then these have the square brackets around the names of the fields. Right, what it would do is it would take the retail, subtract the wholesale, and give you profit. That's something your mom wants. Lots of it. Okay. Modifying the tab order. This is where you can you can tell it what order you want this thing to, to flip through. You can move these up and down. And so it, it tells you the order in which it comes through. Um, these are simply the, uh, the, the toolbar across the top. We've already gone through most of that. Entering and editing and printing records. This is where it comes through on, on what to print, how to print it. Uh, editing a record if you want to go in and change the records. Uh, inserting an image. This is the process of inserting a logo or something like that. And, and that's something, like I said, you, you will be doing that in this, this unit. And in a summary, these are the things that, that you can do in, in putting this together. Like I said, this, this week is where you're really going to be getting into the meat of it, where you're going to be figuring out how to create something where you can put information in. This would be a good time for you to really think about how you're going to be putting together that database. Because now is when you get to start playing. Because see, the, as I said before, going through a step-by-step -step book is not the way to learn. It's a way to get introduced into it. But it's actually the process of addressing it and applying it to a real live situation that's real to you is the way in which you're going to learn and make it real. Because that's, that's when you have to internalize it, make the decisions, and create something. Okay. Any questions? Okay. Well, then we'll see you next week. And another good evening in using databases in education. Thanks. <laughs>